Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio with Linda Prater. Women are pressed daily to give more, learn more, and be more, often at the expense of mind, body, or spirit. Each week with intriguing guests and topics, we'll bring you fresh ways to view your limited time, encouraging a shift to new, healthier perspectives. Wise Health for Women Radio, helping women thrive. And now here's your host, Linda Prater. Good morning, and we are so very glad that you have joined us today. We are going to be talking to someone who is going to give us all kinds of information and wisdom about the unique challenges of juggling the various aspects of our life, especially if we're entrepreneurs, we're working, we're moms. It's really difficult, and I think we all can agree that we could do a better job at doing whatever we do because we're so torn and conflicted in many different directions. And we are all about helping you thrive, not to be burdened by a lot of these gifts that you have. So I am so pleased to welcome Susie Miller to our show today. And and Susie is an amazing coach and author, and she knows from what she speaks. And so she also calls herself a catalyst, and that's what she's going to be for us today. She wants to make sure that if you're an entrepreneur, you don't sacrifice the relationships that matter most. Susie, I would love to welcome you to our show today. Well, Linda, hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I love that your show is all about helping women thrive because I feel like we tend to just survive and that there's no fun in that word. <laughs> no, there there isn't any fun in that word. And I think that we often feel so conflicted and guilty and we can't figure out why we can't do it all, but that's a myth being able yes. to do it all. And I what was that? It was a commercial years and years ago that pretty much said you can do it all. And we yeah, all bring bought home into the that. Bacon, fry that's up in it. The pan. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And yeah. you, know, you learn from hard experience that that's not real life. Good luck with that. You may get it a day at a time, but um, life is full of seasons. And, yes. and boy, oh boy, it's hard to manage those. So tell us a little bit about you. And why this became a great interest to you, because heaven only knows, without experience of our own, it's hard to help other people. I I couldn't agree with you more. I think that one of the things that we offer as I'm gonna I'm looking at your picture and we're in the in the older generation from millennials. We have to offer <laughs> is the experience. You're so of, kind. <laughs> of time. I mean, in my bio, it talks about that I've been married for 34 years and I have three kids. Uh, 32, 30, and 27. So if you do the math, I'm clearly in my 50s. And um, it's interesting to me how much we really do learn from experience. Um, I mean, I'm all about getting, you know, education. But I think experience teaches us things that we would not, we could never learn from a book. And for me, um, I've been married to an entrepreneur for 34 years. I've been one for 25. And I've worked for the better part of 30 years with entrepreneurs, and I would say executives in the C-level suite as well, who are always torn between um, getting their life, their work, their home, their you know, body, mind, spirit all in alignment so that they can actually um, enjoy their life. They can thrive. I think a lot of us survive. I think a lot of us pretend that we're doing well. And all you got to do is open social media to feel lousy about yourself. Oh, yes. Compare and despair. That's a favorite of mine. Oh, I like that. Compare and despair. <laughs> I, I didn't make it up. I actually heard it from someone else. But I thought it was so apt because, yes. honestly, you you only present your best 
self on social media and all the hidden stuff where you're paddling madly under the water doesn't show. <laughs> well, it's, so, it's so funny. You're so right. I, um, you know, I try to be real on social media. I try to be real in my life. Even my weekly emails called Real Talk. But mm-hmm. I noticed that as I was getting ready to do an Instagram story, I did brush my hair and throw in a little <laughs> mascara because, you know, real <laughs> is really ugly unless we do a little bit of work. <laughs> so I, I like I, to think it's refining refining yes i call it body and fender work refining is so much nicer. oh that's <laughs> nice well but you bring up an interesting point because we try and reframe so many of the challenges that we have yes. because we we want to think we still can do it all and we it maybe at not the level we originally thought but i think we still strive for that even as we consciously and intentionally give ourselves some breaks because i think women are hard on themselves i oh. think we we are just really we overthink we we carry things that are often not our own bags boy that's well said and you mentioned something earlier that I want to highlight sure and that is the idea of seasons one of the Mm -hmm. things with all of my clients especially my millennial and younger you know gen x clients uh, women I often remind them that there are seasons that um, if they can embrace life and look at it that way they may have it all over the course of their whole life but trying to have it all at once really doesn't work. Let me give you an example. One uh, millennial um, CEO I coached, she was a started her own business, very successful, got bought out. So she's running a company now. And um, at the time she was in the transition time of really growing her business or, you know, this would apply to anybody who's trying to raise um, in the ranks of their career. Mm-hmm. The Christmas season was coming and her business coach at that point was a man and he was pushing her for what she could accomplish in December. And she called me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go. But that's just hilarious. And I said to this lovely woman, I said, she called me in despair and, and struggling. And she said, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I can't fit this in. I don't have, you know, the ram space for an end of the year growth. And I had her take a couple of deep breaths. And I said, okay, here's what I want you to do. Very respectfully, I want you to ask your business coach what is on his list in his personal life for December. And then I want you to share what's on yours and see if you can reach a better uh, compromise at what's realistic and practical for you without, you know, losing your holiday. She had two young kids. And as we all know, as women, if we're moms, the years go by so fast and they grow up so fast. And so she called me back later and she said, well, on his list was buy gift for my wife. That was it. And are we surprised? No. And that's fine. And usually you put the Christmas lights on. Yes. But. But you're going to make it into a big, dude, you know. One thing, one or two things, maybe three at the tops on his list. Mm-hmm. And her list was 25, in, you know, 25 long mm-hmm. between, you know, family gifts and kids and decorating and cooking. And so her personal life was so, um, to-do list was so much bigger that I looked at her and I said, you know, I really teach the concept of harmony, not balance. Right. And that is where different things have different levels of intensity at different times, just like in a beautiful orchestra piece. And so when you put it all together, you have a beautiful harmony. But if you're looking for balance and you're trying to do 25 things at home and 25 things at work, I promise you, ladies, you will fail. You will be frustrated. And then we play my favorite game called whack-a-mole or whack-a-me. <laughs> and and what you, what you left out, but I'm sure is implied, is that I know that at times like that in my life, because I'm a serial entrepreneur mm-hmm. and it, you find you start to resent 
Yes. And, and then what do you choose to do that at the holidays? Probably not a great time to talk about it, but I'm also not one for hanging on to things and talking about them later. I think that's not right. fair either. Right. So you add extra pressure because of trying to do it all. But I found it interesting that you talked about the difference between the generations mm-hmm. because I watch my daughter and she is the ultimate planner. Now, I have no idea where she got that. But at any rate, <laughs> but, but I, I have helped her over the years with the fact that this may have looked like this, honey, but let me tell you the reality of it since you're now living in it. Yes. And it's been a very interesting way to bridge some of the, the misconceptions that people see when they observe you. And I think that's where we also get caught in our own guilt and stuff because we've given off a certain aura that we didn't probably even know we gave off. You know, that's a great point, Linda. I remember when my girls were about 15 and 13, and I realized that my my older daughter was coming home from school. It was junior high at the time, and when she was tired, she tended to say, I don't feel well. I don't feel well. I want to just take a rest. And as, you know, a mom, I'm like, well, what hurts? What, you know, where do you feel well? You're getting sick. And basically in asking her those questions, she really was just tired. And I realized that my kids had not seen me really slow down and stop unless I was sick. And so I began to kind of re-educate them and they would come home and, you know, they're like, what you doing? I'm like, I'm sitting here reading a magazine because I'm taking a break. And, you know, inadvertently, I think we teach our kids, you know, that maybe our marriage is perfect because they never see us fight or you know, they don't realize that we need a break, we take a nap. And so especially with our, you know, examples we set, I think that's really important. And I think showing our, treating ourselves with great self-care shows our children, next generations, the people we're mentoring, that that is an important part of their life as well. And I think for women to thrive, we have to put self-care pretty much at the top of the list. You know, Susie, I couldn't agree more, except that I've watched the pendulum swing. We were so consumed with our busyness and our productivity and our ability to, quote, do it all. And then, and self-care was completely forgotten. I remember being completely exhausted (laughs) following events. But you had to keep going because that's what you do and that's what you do. And yet now, self-care is suddenly okay to do and people are not rolling their eyes anymore now it may be something super simple for me if I can have a quiet cup of coffee and a small devotional in the morning me starts too. my day right me but that's too. my self-care mm-hmm. um, or you know changing the sheets on the bed you know before they maybe need changing little things like that that just make you feel good mm-hmm. yeah and I think um, here's the thing I'm working currently on a on a book about boomers and millennials and kind of being at odds and and why there's such a difference. I think Mm. what we watch, like I'll talk about my millennial kids, that they are much better at Mm self-care. And and we can sometimes think, well, why don't you get busy doing something else? Mm -hmm. So I think it's a fine line. I think, like you said, the pendulum swings back and forth. And sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, we get lucky enough to be the generation that arrives in the middle and have Mm -hmm. some balance. And so I think especially for um, women executives and entrepreneurs, one of the things we can do is, you mentioned this earlier, is reframe, rename, and allow, you know, not just ourselves, but our colleagues, our peers, and then the people coming up behind us to understand that there's a different way of doing things. We don't have to sacrifice ourselves, our relationships, um, the things that are important to us, the special moments with our kids or our spouse or our friends. 
to be successful in our life and our work. Actually, you're defining non-success when you have become a victim or a martyr because of all of your stuff. And, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. We are coming up on a break. And let's come back to that reframe and rename because I am a person who believes that words are powerful. Mm-hmm. And they also help frame our own attitudes of gratitude or not. And it, it's very interesting to me how words are so very influential. We're going to go on a short break and we'll be back right after these messages. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Did you know that the average teenager drinks twice as much soda as milk? Since 1983, sugar consumption in the U.S. is up 28%. Why is that? There are several reasons, but one of the most common is soft drinks. 20-ounce beverages have become the norm, and it's not surprising to find that 43% of our sugar comes from drinks. Sugar is blamed for poor nutritional diets. USDA data shows that people whose diets are high in added sugar eat less calcium, fiber, iron, protein, and many other important nutrients. Fat-free foods are also a culprit. Since sugar is fat-free, many people tend to think it's okay to eat as much as they want. Remember that just because a food is fat-free does not mean that it's calorie-free also. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. Now that the weather is colder, many exercisers have taken their outdoor walk or run indoors to the treadmill. There are so many advantageous things about working out on the treadmill, but the two that stand out are intervals and hills. Most treadmills have programs that increase the speed and or incline of the treadmill so you can get a great workout without even thinking about it. The treadmill does the work for you. Walking up steep hills is excellent for fat burn and heart conditioning. Since I live in Dallas, Texas, and it's mostly flat, it's difficult to find hills outdoors. So the treadmill workout that inclines and declines is perfect. During these cold winter months, I encourage you to try a treadmill workout and challenge yourself in ways that you can't when exercising outdoors. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back. We're continuing our conversation with Susie Miller, an absolute relationship coach supreme. And we talked right before the break about reframing and renaming. And I am a person who finds words really critically important to how it sounds to people. And my mother used to say, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And by that, she meant tone of voice or your facial expression. But I also think that the words you select can set the conversation up for success or set it up for targeted failure. (laughs) So (laughs) you know exactly what I mean when I say that. So talk about that a little bit because I I think it really does matter in our conversations that we're prudent in our word choice. Absolutely. I'm happy to talk about this. I'm a words girl. In my first book, Listen, Learn, Love, 
we talked about how our words make a difference and something as simple as how we approach a conversation um, and our word choice there. So let's imagine that you're frustrated with your spouse or your kids um, or even a colleague and you want to um, suggest that they do things differently. Now, I'm a very directive person. And so I would tend to say you should, you need, you know, you better, you know, something that was very you know, potentially off-putting, directive, right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just starting the conversation and rephrasing it to say, may I suggest, you know, may I suggest that we try, you know, approaching this problem a different way would be a way to deal with your colleagues. With Mm -hmm. a spouse, it might be something like, you know, may I share with you some of the feelings I have about what's happening versus you did this, you did that, you make me feel. Those kind of things, just that simple rephrasing it makes people's posture less defensive and it opens the door for a conversation and dialogue that I think is always more positive and productive. The other thing I teach my clients and um, I talk about in the book as well is when someone comes to us with something they want to share that might be a little bit less than positive or glowing reviews, mm-hmm. we tend to, I don't know about you, but my defense lawyer has got a right and love hook ready to go to explain <laughs> why I might have done what I did. And I've learned to pause and say, huh, huh, could you tell me more about that? Mm -hmm. And right there, I've now said to them, I care about what you have to say. I care that my actions or words impacted you and help me understand you. And Mm -hmm. just, I mean, just those two rephrasings of how we have a conversation can literally change the outcome. And I have found, you know, for clients, they get great results. Um, When I use what I teach with my own family, it works too. It really does. And I use something similar. I kind of put the burden on myself when I'm requesting a, a change. It's, it would really help me if mm-hmm. we could X, Y, and Z. Because yes. I learned a long time ago, the words you should are best struck from everyone's conversation. Because yes. who wants to be told that? Um, it, it's very difficult. And when you're taking criticism, as you said, we all feel defensive and a little bit humiliated when that occurs but I, I do the same thing that you did but in a different way I say yeah. you know I hadn't thought of it that way mm-hmm. you know talk to me some more because right. I think if you can talk about the difficult conversations then the easy ones flow better because there's a trust that you won't claw them or go down their throats right. um, or club them you know <laughs> I, I used to say you know we're smiting we need to bring smiting back um, but it really is difficult if, if your hackles are already up just by the words that have been used to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, in the relationship and communication field, so many things are just little tweaks. Um, they're right. profound, and I think that they are essential. But I think people get very tied up in, this is going to be a lot of work, or I'm going to have to revamp everything. And what I love to do is go in and go, you know, you can have better relationships you know, very quickly, 30 days or less, if you try these few tweaks. And I think when people begin to get success, then they're like, okay, now I want to go a little deeper and and adjust a few more things. There's something I want to go back to that you said though, Linda, that I think is very important for women who want to thrive. And that is that they throw away the word should. I had a mentor once who said, Susie, stop shooting all over yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
where it's you should do this, you should do this, or I should. And I think as women, you mentioned earlier, we're very hard on ourselves. We hold ourselves to a standard we would never hold our friends to. We Amen. speak to ourselves in ways that we would never uh, dare speak to a you know, friend or loved one. And so I really try to help women reassess that. Let's go back to reframe and rephrase and mm-hmm. say, I used to do this, but from now on, I'm going to choose to do this. Um, and I think when we can stop playing whack me with ourselves, you know, the game from the arcade, right. we actually um, enjoy whatever we're doing more and are more willing to take risks, be bold, and then assess things in a more realistic way than, you know, being, you know, perfect or imperfect, you know, bad or good, all those things we do as women to ourselves that really shut down our ability to thrive. I could not agree more. And, you know, it's been funny. I've used this a lot. It's from the Disney film. I forget which one at this moment in time. But in my mind, when I take that pause, um, it's it's have courage and be kind. I do not Mm -hmm. think women are often kind to themselves. Mm -hmm. And when we're not kind to ourselves, it can bleed into not being kind to others or being more abrupt. Mm -hmm. And excuse me, those of us who are more direct, as you said, we can come across in a way we don't really realize that we are. And so being kind, considering softening, um, really isn't a weakening. It's simply a strengthening of a skill that will serve you better. Absolutely, absolutely. One of the things I do with all my clients from executives to teams to non you know nonprofits to individual couples is we look at personalities we look I have a number of personality assessments I do so that people can be um, begin to understand how they're wired and how the people they work with love serve are wired because when that happens I find that about a third of the conflicts kind of go off the table mm-hmm. so for me and you and I can resonate on being direct and directive when I'm talking to somebody whose personality is far more in the making everybody happy, keeping the team together, and you want people like that on your team. Absolutely. Or, you know, the, the, the way they may hear how you speak, you know, could come across in a way that shuts them down or causes them to scramble. And so one of the things that I do with my clients and even myself and my kiddos and my husband is we know where just our wiring, almost like our eye color or you know, hair color, which we can change, you know, but well, almost what, <laughs> and what's frequently ing- do. Yes, yeah. exactly. You know, what's ingrained in us and how that comes across, because then it doesn't feel personal. It doesn't feel like, um, you know, an attack or like, so let's say the person who's much more uh, conflict avoidant, it doesn't feel like they're avoiding and, and ignoring us. It really feels like we're able to say, okay, they're not um, as willing to go into conflict as I am. So how do we have the hard conversation productively versus why won't you just have this conversation with me, which doesn't go well with, you know, 75% of the population. No, it doesn't. And that comes back to your comment about harmony mm-hmm. because I've heard some people say, well, I just want peace. And I say, you know, I don't seek peace. I seek harmony because I think it's like the orchestra example that you gave Because there are many different instruments that come together and it it all sounds great as a whole. So we don't really want everybody homogenized and the same. No, we'd be bored. Oh, my goodness, it would be terrible. We'd be like little Stepford people. Um, But (laughs) harmony is a very interesting concept. And if people haven't heard that or if they don't happen to be musically inclined, for example, they don't really consider that. Peace and harmony are different things. We're back again to word choice. Mm -hmm. But 
but I think it's important. Now I want to take you to the harder one. Conversations these days are particularly difficult with these really tough labels and words that shut down a conversation purposefully sometimes mm-hmm. and other times they're just in there because it's in the common vernacular and I think it's such a shame we have so many wonderful words to select from that when the connotation of a word suddenly changes due to pressure out in the social world you have to find other ones that work for you because to use those labely ones that's hard how do you counsel folks about that you know, I think you hit it on the uh, nail on the head when you said, you know, the connotation is different. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of what I call the art of the pause, where before you react, you might say, I'm not exactly sure how you mean that. Or like you mentioned, are you aware of how that came across? Or one of the stories I love to tell about my husband and I is after a very difficult time in a um, in our marriage, we were doing well. And one of my sisters observed, they were like, you're doing great. This is so you know, fun to see you guys doing great. And I said to my husband, John, this was years ago, we were in the car driving and I said, you know, um, Annie noticed that we were doing well and it was just really fun to hear that she's seen, you know, the hard work pay off in our marriage. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me and he's a very literal man and he said, yes, I feel like we've learned to tolerate the things about each other that bother us. (laughs) Enough said. There, the laughter. As my head spun around and Because the tolerate makes me nuts. Because (laughs) if you tolerate something, it means you really don't like it. You're just kind of making do with it and as my head spun around and you know fire (laughs) out of my ears and eyes I looked at him like you tolerate me and so as we began to unpack that word he goes no no I just mean that we've learned that it's just part of who we are and just the unpacking of that word kind of calmed down the boiling because he didn't mean it the way I took it Mm -hmm. he meant it the way he looks at the words and so I think sometimes we have to say to people what exactly do you mean by that like I'm not quite sure because when I unpacked his tolerate he said, I just mean that we've learned the wiring of each other and, we you know, that's okay to mm-hmm. let go and just enjoy the parts we really enjoy. And so it was a whole different meaning to him than to me. So I think when we're looking at words, um, and I think this is also true, Linda, for um, the texting, the email. Oh, you know, how to uh, be misunderstood. Text people. <laughs> yes, yes. And so I talk a lot about um, the benefit of the doubt or implied positive intent so that we can the grace. best of people. Yeah. Grace. Absolutely yeah. grace. It is grace. But it is it is very, very true though that we work in sound bites these days. Everyone's rushed. It seems to be the way to communicate. And yet I think we lose out so much. Um, I, I saw a very funny cartoon just the other day and it was people sitting at a Thanksgiving table and everybody had their phones in their hands and mm. the I guess, patriarch of the family said, I guess we'll text Grace this year. Oh, my goodness. I know. And I thought, it's probably not even a really tongue-in-cheek joke. It's probably pretty darn simple. So I think our technology and our connection has worked in two ways. You know, it's a Mm -hmm. double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. And um, it's kind of difficult. So we are coming up on another break. And I would love, excuse me, when we get back, that we can talk about Steps that you take when you realize that there's friction between two entrepreneurs in a family Mm -hmm. and how to best get through that because that can be extraordinarily difficult and Mm -hmm. for reasons you may not even have considered. Right. 
We're going to unpack that after our short break. You are listening to Wise Health for Women Radio, and we're talking with Susie Miller, a relationship coach today, and we'll be back after these very short messages. Don't go away. More to come. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. known for a long time that diamonds are precious or worth a lot of due to rumors. That means money. Did you ever wonder how a polished pebble becomes one of the most expensive things on earth? Two centuries ago, diamonds were worn only by royalty. But in 1870, miners discovered huge deposits of diamonds in South Africa. And soon after, the diamond market was flooded. That's when a man named Cecil Rhodes started buying up shares of the diamond mines. Eighteen years later, Rhodes controlled the entire South African supply of diamonds. He started his own newspaper and magazine articles with clever ad campaigns about cut, clarity, color, and carrot. He also convinced women that they weren't truly engaged to be married without a diamond ring. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. photograph of Billy the Kid has just been valued at $5 million. Randy Guijero bought the photo in 2010 for $2 at a Fresno, California junk shop. The picture was thought to be a fake or villipend. Villipend is another word for worthless. But after studying the photo for over a year, Kagan's auction house has determined the image is actually that of Billy the Kid. In the photo, William H. Bonnie, as he was known, can be seen playing croquet with members of his gang. The photo has been dated to the summer of 1878. Kagan's senior numismatist, that's a scholar of rare items, David McCarthy remarked that the rare photograph was the uncabogable grail of Western Americana. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back. We're continuing our conversation with Susie Miller. And Susie, on the break, you and I were talking about, let's talk about entrepreneurship where uh, marriage is two entrepreneurs and how difficult that can be, but how it can work. It's just what do you have to be on the lookout for? What are good things to catch early on? Actually, I would probably say just about anything when it comes to um, relationships and communication, yeah. catching it in the early stages is much better. But let's talk about the concept first. Okay. So here's the thing I have found. The the statistics aren't um, as clear. We do know that marriages end over 50% and the, they're not as clear for entrepreneurs. But in general, the trend is it's even higher in the entrepreneurial world. And as I began to not just live it myself, but research and work with couples and clients, um, one of the things that I came up with is this idea of this idea of entre-spouse. Like we are literally married to our spouse and to our business. And when we have a business um, of our own, it is like our spouse. It's like the affair our spouse said yes to because there's another love in the marriage. There's another um, entity. Priority. That, 
yeah. priority uh, entity, but even more so that can thrill us, that can consume us, that can you know take our moods on a roller coaster ride. And the only other time I know of that to this extent is in the dating and falling in love. I mean, I know teenagers can be a roller coaster ride, but you know the idea of having another person entity in the marriage that the spouse has to share their time with in addition to the kids. And so I think with kids, you share a love for your kids together. When one person's an entrepreneur and has a love for their business, it feels like a rival to the other spouse. And so there has to be not just the naming of that, but some real protections. I call you know some guardrails that we put in our relationships so that we can not become a casualty. I think that's very common. I think sometimes uh, success can be resented. Um, if it's a more traditional family roles, then if the woman's more successful, there can be an issue. I also think that vice versa. If a man is, you know, so successful as business, it's very easy to feel less successful at home. And so he may withdraw and be more business oriented. And then you feel like you're abandoned as a family. And so there's a lot of nuances, but when you boil it all down, it comes back to there's another entity in the marriage that is fighting for time. And again, multitasking is very difficult. And I find that in an entrepreneurial relationship, it almost becomes a triangular conversation where there's a villain, a victim, and a hero. And then, you know, triangular conversations do not work generally. And so I, I found myself always on the lookout for those kinds of triangles, because if you haven't heard of the concept of a mm-hmm. triangular conversation, not you, but our listeners, um, it, it really does, whenever there's a third party in there, it can muddy the waters because there really does end up being, no matter whether you want to or not, a villain, a victim, and a hero. And it, it's not as good as direct conversation between the two people. Absolutely. And and so that I I really always want to throw that in because I think people don't really understand this triangular conversation concept, but it can happen with our children. It can happen with their friends. It can happen with our businesses, but it really can happen in your marriage and your companies. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think what happens is, is then um, with two people, let's say you're talking about a marriage um, that there's always a loser. Um, and there is this idea, right? That's the victim. (laughs) The the villain is the one that caused everything. And the heroes usually, um, has a bit of a martyr leading their case martyrdom. (laughs) Well, and there's a martyrdom about it. So what I like to do is have people step back and go, okay, let's, um, I'm a big uh, proponent of let's name what's happening. So when you can have, and sometimes I do mediated conversations because sometimes the emotions are so high, you can't help but fall into villain or victim role. Mm -hmm. Um, But let's name what's happening. So something as simple as, you know, let's go back to the technology conversation you made, you Mm -hmm. you made, I know that you're either at work or you're on the phone. You know, entrepreneurs are on 24-7, 365. And so one of the things I coach them to do is to turn off and to have a time when the priority is the person they're in front of. We have a no phones at the table uh, rule, no phones in the bedroom mm-hmm. rule, because mm-hmm. really you can buy an alarm clock and, you know. <laughs> what a concept. <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, with kids, I always get the, but what about, you know, of course we want to be able to hear our children if they need us. We used to have landlines back in the day. Mm-hmm. And so there is that piece, but parameters around our technology so that we can make our spouse feel like a priority because they are. What's so interesting to me is the very reason we work so hard to be successful 
is usually attached to the relationships that are most important to us. Right. In other words, we work hard to provide a lifestyle for our family. We work hard to, you know, provide comfort and fun and experiences for the people we love. And when the work hard, you know, crashes and, you know, decimates the family and the relationships, it's so discouraging. In fact, um, one of the things I use when I work with companies is I talk about Robert Herjavec from Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. And he was he was wildly successful and he spoke about his marriage ending and how that fact made him almost suicidal. And the, one of his biggest regrets of his success was the casualty of his wife and family. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to the words you just used, the pair of words. He was wildly successful mm-hmm. and yet in what? Yes. And we, we are often caught up in other people's views of who we are. Mm-hmm. And so you may be very, very wealthy and successful with all the trappings of, of those, you know, C-level positions and right. the salaries that go along with it. But if it's really a paltry home relationship or you don't see your children enough and that you will regret that later, mm-hmm. it is, a, is that wildly successful? And I venture to say that he would have said to you, no, not, in not anymore in hindsight. Right. Exactly. But unfortunately, we do learn in from hindsight. our failures and our mistakes, and, and but we can grow from them as well. So, Well, and that's you know, why I think it's so important that we have people who are further on the path than us. This, right. this concept of learning in hindsight, well, I love working with millennial and Gen X women um, and, you know, entrepreneurs, couples, um, even executives, because... I can say to them, let me let me just tell you those things that you we hated hearing people say to us. But mm-hmm. from experience, you can't be a full time mom, a full time wife, a full time entrepreneur at one hundred twenty percent all the time. You're going to have to portion out your energy. And so, uh, you know, with the priorities, you know, when you're with your kids, be one hundred twenty percent with your kids. When you're at work, be one hundred percent with you know twenty percent with your work. When you're with your hu- your your spouse. Um, be 120% present there. And when you begin to segment and block out your life, then you can feel successful in what matters most because we do want to succeed in our work. We do want to succeed in our marriages and intimate relationships. We do want to feel successful as moms and friends and daughters. And I think women tend to think I have to be 120% all the time with everybody. And, you know, like you mentioned earlier, they're paddling underwater as fast as they can. And the wildly successful Um, definition we have to come up with ourselves you know we're actually empty nesters now and four months ago we sold our home in northern Virginia and we are now living full-time in a tiny house a travel trailer that I had renovated um, and living all over the country because we can Oh, how wonderful and and so it's a season where we can do that we don't have grandchildren yet so I looked at my husband and said I probably don't care where I live right now but I will eventually (laughs) (laughs) but see that's realistic and and I think that that is is something that I don't think we thought about it. I know I didn't think about that at the time because I was subsumed with yes. trying to be all things to all people um, and made a promise to myself that when my grandchild came along that nothing, nothing was going to get in the way of that relationship. If I was asked to help or to babysit or to do anything, that I would always say yes unless it was something dire that I could not. Because you are less conflicted after you've gone through your complex stage. I always laugh that we have to go through our young and foolish stage before we get Mm -hmm. to our wise stage. But 
it, it allows you to also have conversations with grown children on a different level. And mm-hmm. in my case, I know that I, I talked to my daughter and I said, I, I know that I passed on many good things to you, mm-hmm. but there were some things I passed on to you that probably didn't serve me well and won't serve you well either. So can we talk about them so that you learn from my mistakes and you can go ahead and make new mistakes, but just don't make the ones that I made. Linda, I love that. I absolutely love that. And I think that's a lesson for anyone who's listening, because we do sometimes live with the regret of what we wish we had done differently. And so one of the things I think that you did that's so important is you came up and you named it. You named your daughter. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I've realized. You know, I'm sorry for these things. And I think what happens when we do that is we begin to build bridges where um, relationships could have like tears or severs rather than just avoid them. And so you gave your daughter two things there, permission to share your, well, three, permission to share her feelings about that, um, a new growth opportunity where she can, you know, choose a different way. And you deeply cemented your relationship because you were able to say, hey, I was wrong here, or I wish I'd done this differently. And I think we get so afraid of, of admitting our mistakes that we just let them, you know, build up under the carpet, and then we're tripping over, you know, the mound in the carpet. And what you've done is name it, own it, and really give her a sense of, of freedom. I hope I have. I, th- I think in many ways you, you won't know until later, um, if ever. But I think you have to try because nobody lives life without some regrets or wishes they had done something differently. And so given an opportunity, I will open those dialogues. And sometimes there's surprise on the other end. Both my son and my daughter have, you can tell by their faces. Um, but at least I got it out there. I, I said it there. It's a seed. And it it often causes some moments of harmony and understanding that they couldn't possibly have managed during their young days. That, that wasn't going to be something that they could manage. So we are coming up on our final break. And we will be talking further about not only entrepreneurship in a relationship, but a, a saying that Susie uses really well. Uh, it's a, It's... I'll just get, I would say the words, priorities, rekindle your romance, open up, focus, intentional interactions, and tenacity. And every one of those is a large topic, and we will try and fit the most we can into the last segment. And we just want to make sure that the balance that you're looking for, the harmony that you're looking for in your life is still there years later, and that you have learned from mistakes and you will move forward with that so you know Susie thank you I love this we're going to go on the our final break we're going to come back and talk further about the seasons of our life and the priorities rekindle open up focus intentional interactions and tenacity because heaven knows we women really often keep it things until we get it done get her done so we'll be on a short break after these short messages, we'll be back with Susie Miller, relationship coach, and we will learn more about how we can broaden and enrich our marriages. We'll be right back. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Hot yoga is popular and many people love it. But the resounding question is, does it burn more calories than regular yoga? 
Most people perspire heavily during class because the room temperature is so hot. They feel like they're working really hard, working up a sweat and burning loads of calories. Fitness Magazine states that hot yoga is not necessarily melting more fat. Your heart rate increases during hot yoga because blood vessels dilate to increase blood flow to the skin to help your body cool down, not because you're burning more calories. The article states that you can burn the same amount of calories sitting in a chair for 15 minutes as you do sitting in a sauna. Remember, it's not the temperature of the room that produces a bigger burn. It's the intensity and muscle challenges of yoga poses. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Did you know that many prospective college students work under the management of handlers? A tutor helps with SAT preparation, while a consultant concocts the perfect resume to present to colleges. They say the closest people ever come to perfection is on their resume. But college admission staffs aren't so bubbleable. That means gullible when it comes to sorting out students' qualifications. What's another word for a person with enough education to go to college? A tancum. The graduation cap was initially a hood and is believed to date back to the Celtic times when Druid priests wore capes and hoods to symbolize their intelligence. It's Marching Day I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back. We're continuing our conversation with Susie Miller. And Susie, go for it. The uh, refocus and move on to each of those points as, as quickly as you can. We've got quite a bit of time left, and I think okay. we can do it. So perhaps start with the priorities. I will. I will. One of the things that I began to do is come up with a framework of how to actually not bankrupt your relationships that matter most, especially your marriage, as you are building a successful business. And in tune with most entrepreneurs' mindset, I called it the profit method because we would like to have profit and profitable businesses and profitable relationships. And so each of those is an acronym. Let me go through them very quickly for you. Um, P is priorities. You know, are you having... Um, making your family a priority, your marriage a priority. Do you set boundaries around the things that are important to them and commit to investing time with them? So one of the things that I tell as an action tip is ask those people what's important to them. At one point in time, I was um, working evenings and my kids uh, had an honor society induction. And I asked my daughter, you know, I, I can't be at the honor society induction. And then at our TV time, we did I watched a lot of stupid TV with my teenagers to connect with them um, on Tuesday. Um, so I'm going to move my Monday clients to Tuesday and I'll be at your honor society induction. And she goes, mom, I'd much rather you miss the induction and, and hang out with me on Tuesday night. And Ooh, so that's great. So ask your family, ask your, your honey, what is important to them? And then schedule it in like you would schedule an important client meeting. And treat your family like you would your most important client. So that's P for priorities. R is really um, rekindle your romance. And one of the things I find with couples is after a while, you know, it's a lonely life and people are living like roommates, whether you have a business or not. And so I often say to them, well, when you were dating, what did you love doing? You know, can you rekindle your romance by going back to 
some of your, you know, dating things. Remember when we couldn't wait to hold hands or sit close or, you know, snuggle up and suddenly life and kids and, and hassles and stress mm-hmm. keep us from doing those things. And so I would joke with my husband and be like, if you're within three feet of me, you should be touching me. You should be sitting close to me. You should be holding my hand, you know, because you should, you should, you should, oh, wait, <laughs> I'm sure you want to is what I would say. Right? There you <laughs> go. I'm sure you, you know, can't that, keep your hands off me. Right. Yes, there you go. So right. that idea of like, just try this one tip, hold hands like when you were dating. When you were dating, you probably held hands all the time. So just start doing that again. And it can rekindle and, you know, help reconnect you. You know, the, the, oh, I, I have to insert something here, Susie, please. because it reminds me. I remember going out in, go, we were going out for dinner and we had a babysitter, which was a huge big deal because babysitters mm-hmm. are so expensive and things were tight. And I, I was opening my door and I got in and I said, when did you stop opening the door for me? Because mm-hmm. I really loved that. Right. And he hadn't realized that he'd stopped and, of course, right. picked up right, you know, after that. But little things like that, not a resentful, but just, you know, that I, I used to love that. Exactly. And, you know, tiny little things like that can really make a difference because it's a thoughtfulness. It's back to being kind. It's, it's being thought yeah. well of and it's prioritizing you. Yeah. And our, it's funny, our kids would know we used to have this big double chair. And when we'd watch movies as a family, they knew that that was dad's in my chair. Like we snuggled up and our kids saw us, you know, um, snuggling and being affectionate with one another because it was important. Um, it was important. And that was a way that we could, you know, kind of rekindle, you know, our romance and, and stay married in the midst of, you know, he's my first love in the midst of kids and business and all those kind of things. So we have priorities for P, rekindle your romance for R. O is open up. Don't let it build up. Um, and really to make the decision to communicate often and wisely. So we can't just come home and, you know, blah all over our spouse when they may have had a bad day. You know, like I had the best day ever, signed this megabuck client. And, you know, your spouse is like, well, the kid threw up on me three times and, you know, your teenager did this and that. So we have to be mindful of when we have our conversations, but to really be willing to open up and share thoughts, feelings, um, fears, uh, visions, excitement, because if we're not sharing them with the most important person in our life, we will begin to drift apart and continue to build, you know, gaps between us. So open it up. I love that because I have a wonderful friend who he said that he always asks his wife when, you know, she's obviously wound up about something. Do you want me to listen Mm -hmm. or do you want me to fix it? Mm -hmm. And then that just sets the stage because then if she just says, I just want you to listen. Right. uh, Then he can just let it go in one ear and out the other and nobody will be upset. And I thought that was such a wonderful thing to do. And so wise. It's very wise. I think especially for women with the the men that we love, because sometimes we just want them to we want to vent and we want them to Mm -hmm. hold our story. Mm -hmm. Other times we do want their opinion. And, you know, uh, one of the things I tell all my clients is, unfortunately, they can't read your mind. You know, and they're not going to. Oh, know it would be ugly in there. I, that's <laughs> so gnarly. <laughs> yes, I feel the same way. The uh, F would be for focus. You know, and this goes back to the the, the um, phones at the table. When you are with your spouse or your family or your friend or your mama or your sister, be with them a hundred percent. You know, don't be distracted. Don't be distant. Put your phone in the other room. I am a huge culprit of scrolling through social media when I'm watching a movie with my husband sometimes and it's boring and then I'll miss something. I'll go, what was that? And we got to the point where he was like, I hate watching movies with you because you don't pay attention. 
but you're so intent on the story that if you miss something, you want to rewind it. Like you can't let it go. And so I literally had to put my phone in the other room. So I wasn't tempted to pick it up. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't tempted to, to be distracted. And so I think one of the things for, you know, anyone in any relationship with the to-do list we have in our head, I love that you said the gnarly stuff going on in our brain. <laughs> Can we shut it down and be focused on the other person. You know, the the technology, the vast amount of knowledge coming at us, all of the distractions, I think have been a, you know detrimental to relationships because we don't focus. You know, do you sit down and play Legos and just play Legos? Do you sit at dinner and hold hands and just listen to your spouse? Do you, you know, pay attention when your teenager's telling you about the latest drama at school, you know, when you've got a thousand other things on your mind to really kind of focus in on what it is that I need to pay attention to, because that communicates to the other person you're important. You know, being heard is very rare these days. We are all so busy. We, we spout things off. We look for an answer, response. Okay, we're done. Um, Lou Paget, a friend of mine and a guest on our sister radio show, Dynamic Women Talk Radio, is um, a sex and intimacy expert. And she said, attention is the greatest seduction. Mm-hmm. because we don't get much of it these days. Right. And so if someone is actually listening to you, looking in your eyes, hearing you, mm-hmm. it's an amazing connection that yeah. you lose when you are fragmented. Yes. Yeah. And people know it. People mm-hmm. absolutely know it. So we've got priorities, rekindle your romance, open up and don't let it build up. Uh, focus, and then I is intentional interactions. Mm -hmm. And this is one of my favorites to give very, you know, um, high-powered, successful business people and entrepreneurs. And that is to be as intentional in your interactions at home as you are at work. Bring all your business acumen and smarts and strategy and vision that you use to build a successful career or business Mm -hmm. to your marriage and family. You know, bring your business smarts there. They're the best assets. So for a woman, it would be, you know, being able to juggle a number of things at work. You know, can they bring that same, you know, juggling at home where they can say, you know, this is not a priority, where they can look at a a strategy and say, you know, we're going to focus on one and two and let four, five and six go till next quarter. Can you bring that same strategic thinking to your family and kind of be like, here's our focus. Here's where I'm going to put my time and energy. And we're going to put these other things off, you know, bring your business smarts to your relationships, be intentional about your interactions. For example, um, we all often have, you know, customer relations management systems where we want to make sure our customers and clients feel really loved on and we stay top of mind. Well, what about if you did that at home? You know, I have one client. I said, you know, set an alarm in your phone to just text your your spouse, I love you, or, you know, text your kiddo, I hope the test goes well, because we won't remember. You know, let's use technology for our benefit Mm -hmm. and kind of be very intentional in how we interact and foster a relationship. You know, it could be something as simple as, hey, this week's crazy, but Friday night is all yours. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that kind of intentional interaction, again, communicates um, attention, priority, and, and that that person's important to us in the midst of all the things that are pulling at them. It's a difficult thing to do, to nurture and, and keep things alive with communication when you are this busy, which brings mm-hmm. you to the last one, <laughs> yes. T, for tenacity. Talk about that one. Yes. The final one is to be determined committed and steadfast in your efforts. And that is really tough 
because, you know, like on the first day or week of a diet, I'm really tenacious. But over time, <laughs> you know, <laughs> things get a little harder. And so, you know, be dedicated, have the idea of the long, the, a vision for the long game, the long haul. I'm very candid as, and my husband and I are, are candid about the fact that we fought very hard to have a marriage that lasted 34 years. There were many times mm-hmm. when we didn't think we were going to make it. And so I often tell people outside of, you know, abuse or a really harmful um, relationship, you're just going to trade somebody else's problems for, you know, whoever mm-hmm. you're married to. Mm-hmm. So can we work on this? Can we be determined? Can we be committed? Can we be steadfast and and try again um, in the same way we would with, you know, our kids, which I think they're the only thing you can't divorce, right? Like you get right. them forever. So you know, we get tenacious in our business. We get, um, we're dedicated in our actions to implement a vision. And so I think, can we do that in our marriage? Sometimes that means getting marriage coaching for better relationship skills or, or, uh, you know, a tune up. I have clients who are on, um, retainer. They're like, uh, they want me to be available. If something happens over time, I have executives who are like, Hey, I just want a 15 minute check-in, you know, and I have others that are like, we need, you know, some, some good surgery in our relationship to get to the next level because we don't want to give up on it. Perfect. And I would love our listeners to know how to find out where to find out more information about you and gain some more of your wisdom. Oh, thank you so much. I did come up with a special giveaway just for your listeners. And it is called Fast and Fun Conversation Starters for either entre spouses, executives, you know, busy women. Mm-hmm. And you can get that at, it's a, it's a link, it's a bit.ly link. So it's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash wise health for women dash entre spouse. I'm sure you'll have that in the show notes. And yes. then you can find me really easily at suzymiller.com. That's S-U-S-I-E miller.com and connect with me anywhere from there. You know, Susie, it has been such a pleasure to talk about this with you. I think there are a lot of people who are in this boat, and whether or not you're an entrepreneur, relationships, whether they're friendships or marriages, uh, work relationships, no matter, mm-hmm. getting along through the seasons of life and being able to nurture whatever that relationship is, is critically important. So thank you for sharing this wisdom with us because I think we learn from others. And I always learn so much from my guests and I'm, I'm grateful to, for you to have been here this morning. We will be posting the show shortly and it will be at wisehealthforwomenradio.com, also on iTunes. And we have had a wonderful time with Susie Miller this morning and hope you go and learn more at susiemiller.com. We'll welcome you back next week. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in today. You can find more shows at wisehealthforwomenradio.com.